You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. And it's John chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me any more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's been another tough week here in Melbourne. Uh, Each day we've still seen coronavirus cases in the hundreds uh, and sadly the the death toll each day has been very high as well. And it's easy when we hear this day after day to be despondent about it, for our hearts to be really troubled. And when we feel like that, where can we go for comfort? Well, we're starting a a new teaching series today, looking at Jesus' teaching uh, in the book of John, one of the four accounts of Jesus' life, and particularly John 14 through 16. In the start of this section, just before the Bible reading that we've had today, uh, Jesus has been preparing his disciples for the fact that he's going to leave them. He's preparing them for a time when they're going to feel very alone and abandoned, when they're going to feel uh, frightened and anxious. And he says these words, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Well, our hearts are troubled as well. And Jesus wants to say to us, Trust me. Trust in God. Trust also in me. I am holding you in my hands and I will look after you. And through these chapters, as Jesus unpacks more of how he's going to look after them while he goes away, he speaks a lot about the Holy Spirit, uh, whom God will give to his followers uh, so that their hearts needn't be troubled and that they will be looked after. And over these coming weeks, we're going to unpack different sections, particularly focusing on the Holy Spirit, or as he's often referred to here, the Spirit of Truth. So the first thing that I want us to reflect on and focus on today 
is the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, this is really important for us to get right because we don't often think this way, I think. We often get a bit confused about the Holy Spirit and we often might have a view of the Holy Spirit which is more like kind of the force from Star Wars. Uh, Use the force, Luke. Uh, as if the Holy Spirit was something that we would use, an object or a thing or an impersonal force. But it's very clear in this passage that the Holy Spirit is a person. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Now remember the context here. Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he won't be with them. He'll no longer be there to walk alongside them, to to talk with them, to be with them. But he says, I will ask God the Father and he will give you another advocate, another person like me to be with you. Now, we need to unpack a little bit what the meaning of that word advocate is, because it's one of those uh, tricky words and it may not be a word that we use all the time. It's good when you're a bit stuck with a Bible passage, you're not quite sure of meaning, to actually compare a few different English Bible translations side by side. And when it comes to this particular word, you can actually see a fair bit of variation between different Bible translations and the word that they choose to use at this point. So here are some of the words that you'll read in different English versions. Advocate, comforter, helper, counsellor, paraclete. They're all attempts to translate the same word, the same Greek word. Actually, that last one, paraclete, not a translation at all. Basically, if you're a Bible translator and you get really stuck and you're like, ah, we don't know what to do with this word. I know, we'll just write it down as it is. It's basically uh, a transliteration, a writing down of the actual Greek word itself because they got so stuck about how to translate it. And uh, that Greek word paraclete literally means uh, one who is called to be alongside someone. Okay, so you can sort of see where the idea of a helper comes from. So a helper is someone who comes alongside you to assist you, to help you. Uh, And sometimes this word is used in more specific Uh, context, legal contexts. Uh, So someone who comes alongside you to help you if you have to go to court uh, could be an advocate who argues on your behalf or a counsellor who offers you advice in that context. So when it's translated as counsellor, it's not like a psychological counsellor that you're lying on the couch telling your problems to the Holy Spirit, but uh, a counsellor in the sense assisting you, giving you wisdom when you're in those sorts of contexts. Uh, A comforter. Uh, We tend to think of a comforter as, you know, someone who gives us a uh, a hug and a a warm cup of cocoa or something like that. But a comforter is, is someone who strengthens and encourages strongly so that you can keep on going. Uh, And the word is often used in that sense. So different contexts bring out these different meanings of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Uh, Actually, that word comforter is the same word that came up in our series that we did earlier this year from 2 Corinthians. Uh, The series was called The God of All Comfort. 
Uh, And I encourage you, particularly the first talk in that series speaks about the fact that God himself is a comforter. Uh, And there's a link to that in uh, the description below where you can listen to that talk on our YouTube channel. But the Holy Spirit does all of these things. He he helps. He uh, helps us in um, tough situations where we're called to give account of our faith as an advocate and counsellor. He uh, comforts us. He strengthens and encourages us in tough situations. He does all of these sorts of things. And depending on the context, um, one of them might be a better translation than the other. We'll see that over the coming weeks because this term is going to keep coming up again and again. But the main point that I want to make today, as the Holy Spirit is described as another advocate, is that he is personal. He's a person. Uh, Just in the same way that Jesus was alongside his disciples, he spoke with them, he was present with them, he helped them. So now the Holy Spirit will be with the followers of Jesus to be with us and to help us and to go alongside us. The fact that the Holy Spirit is a person is emphasised in other parts of the Bible as well. And so we know that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. That's in Ephesians 4.30. Things that we do in our life can cause uh, pain and distress, grief to the Holy Spirit. He can be lied to in Acts chapter 5. Uh, And he can be blasphemed, which means you can speak badly against the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Now, you can't grieve or lie to or blaspheme a, a force, a thing, something that's impersonal. Those are only things that you can do to a person. And as a person, the Holy Spirit is one of three persons that make up the triune God. So in Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus, as he sends out his disciples, gives them this instruction. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So there is only one God. There is one God, but that one God exists as three persons, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, this is very hard for us to get our minds around. This is sort of brain explosion sort of time as we try and think about God. But that shouldn't surprise us because we're talking about God after all. If God could be neatly packaged in a box, then he wouldn't really be God, would he? He's much bigger than us, much more powerful than us. So if our minds can't fully comprehend God, we shouldn't be surprised about that. Uh, up the back of our church here um, is, a, is a window which attempts to capture the reality of God as three persons. Now, the words here, if we uh, focus in a little bit more, the, the words here are in, are in Latin, which is unfortunate. I don't know whose smart idea that was back in 1870. Um, but it's trying to express the reality of God as three persons. So you can see there that God is uh, Father up in the top left, Son top right, and Holy Spirit down the bottom. But the Father is God in the centre, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. So they are all fully God, 
but then you've got to be careful not to just merge them together either. So the Father is not the Son and is not the Holy Spirit. And the Son is not the Father or the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son. They are distinct and separate persons, and yet they are united together as one God. Again, brain explosion. But that's the truth that we as Christians affirm. In the words of one of our ancient creeds that Christians have recited for many centuries, we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. So if you catch yourself referring to the Holy Spirit as it, stop yourself. The Holy Spirit isn't an it, not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, Part of the reason I think that we find this so hard to get our heads around is because we can't see the Holy Spirit. And for us, um, someone being a person, one of the key distinctives is that you you can see them. Uh, And Jesus mentions this in verse 17. He says, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Uh, You can't see the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean he isn't real, and it doesn't mean he isn't personal. So the world, those who don't follow Jesus, can't actually accept the Holy Spirit for this reason. They can't see him and they don't know him. But it's different for us if we're followers of Jesus. It's not different because all of a sudden you become a follower of Jesus and bang, you can see the Holy Spirit. No, Jesus doesn't say that. But you can know him. Verse 17, Jesus says, you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So here comes the crunch when it comes to the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaks about knowing him. Uh, That's the language of relationship. You can't have a relationship with a force. You can't have a relationship with a thing, but you can have a relationship with a person, and we are supposed to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can talk to him. Uh, It's legitimate, I think, to, to pray to him since he is fully God. That's a legitimate thing to do. Uh, Although the pattern of prayer in the Bible is is primarily that we pray to God the Father. I'm going to unpack that a little bit more in the St. John's Extra this week about praying uh, to the persons of the Trinity. So if you're interested, subscribe to St. John's Extra and we'll unpack that a little bit more in that video. These other two statements here about the Holy Spirit are really important for us to hold together as well. The fact that the Holy Spirit is both with you and in you. So the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us means that he is separate to us. He isn't sort of a part of us merged in with us, but a separate person whom we're in relationship with. But at the same time, he lives in us. So he's not disconnected from us, but actually lives within us. He's a very real presence within us, an assurance that God himself is with us wherever we go, strengthening us and helping us as we serve him. So the Holy Spirit is a person, a person that we can know and who is with us and in us. But what does he do? Well, 
heaps is the answer. And throughout the Bible, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, the things that the Holy Spirit does are unpacked in different places. But let's just focus on what this particular passage says about his work. Verse 16 says that the Spirit's role is to help you and to be with you forever. So the Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us, particularly as we seek to follow Jesus and live out Jesus' way in our lives. Uh, In that sense, he's called alongside us to be our companion and to help us as we try and live life the best way. Uh, Here, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth, which is the title for this current series. So, The Holy Spirit wants to lead us into the truth, to show us things that are true, which is not just speaking about intellectual things, but about uh, emotions and a way of life, real actions, real ways of being that are are true and right and good. Um, Kirk's going to unpack that more next week because next week's passage goes into more detail about that. But just prior to our Bible passage today, again, Jesus speaking about himself has said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And here we have another advocate, the Holy Spirit, who is called the Spirit of Truth. So a key part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to lead us to live in the way of Jesus, to lead us into a true way of being, a true way of living, a true way of relating to God, to our world, to each other. So Jesus and the Spirit are separate persons, but they're united together in this goal to lead us in the truth. So the Holy Spirit is there to help us, But he's also there just to be with us. Jesus says that he'll live within us forever, to be present in us, to go with us through each day. You know, that's a great comfort, isn't it? To know that God lives in us by his Holy Spirit. The disciples were troubled because Jesus was going to leave them. And Jesus says, no, I'm not leaving you alone because the Holy Spirit's going to take up residence in you and wherever you go, anywhere in the world, any situation, as you walk into school, as you walk into work, as you go through different situations throughout the day, I am with you by my Holy Spirit. This is something I think we we downplay a little bit. Uh, As followers of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to remember that we're never alone, we're never abandoned, The person of the Holy Spirit lives within us. Again, not a force, but a real person who can be known and who knows us. And this is a permanent and an unbreakable relationship. Jesus says he'll be with you forever, from now until eternity. The Spirit's presence in us now is really a a foretaste of what the future will hold in the new creation which speaks about being in God's presence forever, being with God the Father, God the Son, and having our lives fully empowered by the Holy Spirit within us, where God will wipe the tears from our eyes. He'll be so present with us. And yet we get to experience a taste of that reality even now as God lives in us by his Holy Spirit. Again, the complexities of the relationships Uh, within God himself 
come to bear in this passage as we think about this reality. So in verse 23, Jesus says, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So here we have the father and the son making their home within us. But the way that this seems to come about is by the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. This is, this is deep stuff. This is powerful. This is beautiful stuff where we're being described here as being invited into the very relationship of God as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We're participating in that and being incorporated into deep relationships within us. It's a wonderful, rich perspective of what it means to be a follower of Jesus uh, as we follow him. And it really forces us to know that we don't relate to God from a distance, that God is so connected, so involved in our lives that he is actually with us and within us and we are in relationship with Father, Son and Holy Spirit, a foretaste of being in his presence forever. So lastly, how do we receive the Holy Spirit and how do we respond to the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, we should note first that the Holy Spirit is a gift to us from God. Again, verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Uh, this is God's gracious gift to us to give his spirit uh, to us. God is a good God who gives good gifts to his people. So we only receive the Holy Spirit because God the Father sends him to us. But the Father sends the Holy Spirit to us because, we're told, Jesus asks him to. The Holy Spirit is given to us as followers of Jesus as a result of the work of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his exaltation going back up into heaven. So one of the first followers of Jesus, Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, speaking on the day of Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, stands up in front of a crowd to explain what's going on and says these words, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. And then a few verses later, when the crowd asks, what should we do in response to what you're telling us? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we only receive the Holy Spirit when we turn to Jesus, when we put our trust in Jesus and express that uh, through baptism, a, a public commitment to Jesus to say we are Jesus' people from now on. When we do that, we receive the forgiveness of sins that Jesus wins for us through his death on the cross, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you can't have the Holy Spirit without Jesus because it is a, the giving of the, the Spirit is a result of Jesus' finished work, and he's the one who asks the Father to give that gift. He's the one who pours the Holy Spirit out on his followers. But when you do become a follower of Jesus, when you put your trust in him, 
then you receive the Holy Spirit as a follower of Jesus automatically. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then his spirit lives within you. All of these things that I've been speaking about are a reality for you. So how do we respond to the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, again, this is a relationship. It's a relationship with a person. And we've been reminded that we need to know the Holy Spirit to grow in relationship with him. One of the key ways that we can do that is through love and obedience. Did you notice how often these words came up in this passage? Verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. Verse 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Verse 23, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Let's be clear, first of all, what's not being said here. Don't mishear this as saying, uh, God will love you if you are obedient. If you're a really good person and you live a really good life, then God will love you and he'll accept you. No, it's not saying that at all. God is a God of grace. And the message of uh, Christianity is that even when we rejected God and we're enemies of God, God still loved us, still sent his son Jesus to die for us, still demonstrated love and offered us grace to be in relationship with him through Jesus. Now, what it's saying is we express the love that we have for Jesus through obedience to his teaching. Uh, we recognise that, that Jesus is the Lord of all. He's the boss of the entire universe. He's the one who died so that we could be forgiven. He's the one who's alive now and ruling the world. And we acknowledge his rule and the goodness of his rule over us by obedience. We kind of put our love into practice through obedience. And because the Holy Spirit is working in unity with the Father and the Son, one God working together, then our love for Jesus and our obedience to his commands strengthens and nurtures our relationship with the Holy Spirit living within us. The Spirit will prompt us to live lives of obedience. The Spirit will challenge our conscience when we're out of step with the way that Jesus wants us to live. And so a key way to develop our relationship with the Spirit is to be listening and responding to these promptings that he gives us to live our lives of love and obedience to Jesus. And the flip side of that is if we ignore or reject the Spirit's prompting in our lives, uh, his voice within us speaking to us and leading us, then we act in contradiction of the commands of God and we get out of step with the Spirit working within us. Because there is this unity within God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, then the Spirit isn't going to prompt us to disobey commands that Jesus has given us, commands that God has given us in his word. He will work in unity with God's written word, with the teaching of Jesus and what we have. We will be guided and will be led in lives of love and obedience by God's spirit. So we develop that relationship as we respond to his leading and as we continue to know him and put into practice our lives as we follow in the way of Jesus. 
God hasn't left us alone. Although our hearts might feel troubled at the moment, although life is incredibly tough, God loves us and God has demonstrated his love for us by sending his Holy Spirit to be with us, to live within us forever, to be a companion and a helper and a comfort and a guide for us. Uh, In the midst of the struggles that we're facing at the moment, deepen your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Speak with him. Ask for his help in times of trouble. Call on his comfort and strength. Deepen your knowledge of him. He's not a vague, impersonal force, but a person fully God living within you and there to help you. Praise God for his love and his goodness to us. Let's pray together. Loving God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are three persons, one God, and that you love us and that you live within us. Please help us to know you more deeply and in the midst of troubling times when our hearts are troubled, help us to trust in you. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.